Well, uh, yeah, well, it's been a while since I've shared my testimony. Uh, my name's Chris. Um, I'm from BC. Actually, uh, came all the way out here from Kelowna uh, to be at the Winnipeg Center. Um, that's a long story. Uh, actually, uh, I, uh, I came out this way uh, to do a refresher. Um, I, was, uh, I, was, I was actually working with Teen Challenge, and uh, I was in their surge program, which is, uh, which is a, an internship, uh, a year-and-a-half internship. Um, and uh, I found myself uh, struggling, um, struggling with, uh, with the sexual uh, addiction, um, struggling with pornography and, uh, and everything that goes with that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, uh, yeah, I, I actually lost, uh, lost my job. And, uh, you know, uh, you know I was pretty lucky that they uh, you know, gave me a second opportunity. Um, but uh, I guess I, I didn't really think I should probably go, uh, you know, in my past a little bit. Um, yeah, like I said, I was, uh, I was born in Saskatchewan. And uh, was uh, came out to BC. Uh, yeah, I went to BC in 1990. Um, grew up there, and uh, you know my uh, my parents split when I was seven, and it was it was messy. Um, my uh, my parents used me and my brother to get back at each other. Um, you know we uh, we were uh, you know essentially pawns in uh, in their game. Um, it, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't fun. Um, I got to admit, uh, it led to a lot of bitterness and anger towards my parents, um, that actually I'm still dealing with today. Um, I'm lucky that I had a brother. Um, he was four at the time and, uh, you know, without him, without him, I, I wouldn't be here today. Um, he, uh, he, he was at times he was he was the rock uh, that I could uh, lean on, and I'm sure essentially uh, the other way around. Um, I uh, you know, found myself in addiction at about 15. Um, the first time I used, I, uh, I actually used with my dad. Um, he uh, he brought me uh, me and my brother actually uh, into. Uh, into a, into marijuana as uh, he was growing marijuana at the time, and uh, the trouble that was uh, that was happening is me and my brother were acting out in the neighborhood. He didn't want that heat at the house, so he thought uh, he thought it would be better if uh, if we were just using with him at home. Um, and uh, it, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, you know how how could that be good? Um, it uh, you know it led to uh, you know to me essentially picking up pornography when I was probably about eighteen. Um, I was sexually abused a couple of times, and uh, I think uh, it's, yeah, I guess I think I, I was leaning on on that not only to cope, but uh, you know there's uh, there's a weird intimacy thing with it, and uh, and that too it's uh, tough to explain. But uh, as I uh, as I grew up. And, uh, and that was just, I developed epilepsy at 20, um, and, uh, my brother at uh, about 15, so we, uh, we struggled together through that, uh, every other day, hospital, seizures, multiple seizures, uh, I fell off a roof, uh, when I 
was about 25. Uh, thank God, uh, thank God, I fell in the tree and actually just walked away from it. Um, and uh, you know, my uh, my brother's been, uh, you know, uh, it's been seizure free for a lot longer than I have. I've been seizure free about four years. Uh, thank God. Um, you know, I uh, found myself in Teen Challenge about 29. Um, my uh, through my uncle. I uh, found out uh, found out about Teen Challenge, my mom, and uh, and that there's years there. I was trying to find some help, and uh, you know, making phone calls to mental health and things like that. Just uh, trying to trying to find some help to get out of the darkness. It uh, it was brutal. I wanted to kill myself. Uh, I was, you know, I didn't know God, so uh, I was actually praying to who I thought was God to end my life. I wanted to die. I thought, uh, yo, man, make me like hit by a bus or something, you know. And uh, so it's amazing that, uh, you know, I fell on my knees one night. And uh, the next day I get a call to go to Teen Challenge from my mom. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Let's go. Didn't even have to read any of the paperwork or anything. I just jumped in both feet. And, uh, you know, thank, uh, thank God I have. I, uh, I've been sober from drugs and alcohol for over five years, um, and uh, just, uh, yeah, and God's been doing a lot this second time around. You know, I graduated the program in 2015, but uh, the second time around, I've, I've been understanding that relationship that uh, that truly has to, uh, to you know, that relationship, the connection that needs to take place. Um, I don't think I fully understood that the first time, that relationship with the Holy Spirit and that he was a person, you know, and that he was my father and that he was my friend and that I could talk to him and uh, that I was, you know, my prayers weren't just empty. They weren't just me talking in my head. You know, there actually was a person there that wanted to, uh, you know, to, to, to be there and, and, and help me through. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's just been... Uh, just making connections in in my mind, and I'm starting to understand deeper now. I think, uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, I think it's in John, where uh, where it says there, uh, you know, how come, you know, the disciples were like, man, how come we don't understand? And, uh, you know, and Jesus was like, well, you're, you're just not ready yet. And, uh, you know, God, I think, uh, has just been showing me that. I just, I wasn't ready five years ago for some of the things He's teaching me now today, um, but, uh, but I know He loves me. And, uh, you know, I uh, I love this opportunity to minister and uh, and be with my brothers. Um, Teen Challenge is just is amazing. I love this ministry and uh, and pray that I get the opportunity to continue on. Chris, I, I, I want to tell you something in front of a bunch of witnesses this morning. I'm really proud of you. I just felt like I needed to tell you that. And I know that it's not, it's not easy going in front of a bunch of people and telling them the bad stuff, right? That's why we like to focus on Jesus when we give our testimony. But you know what? I'm so proud. I'm so proud of Chris and uh, singing up here and so forth. And I'm glad that you're here to witness it this morning because I hadn't heard you share before 
and we're just so grateful that you're here. Um, I want to show you something, and we haven't shown this anywhere yet. Um, and so um, we just, uh, we just uh, Global Teen Challenge just finished a video, and, um, and you'll, you'll see some f- one or two familiar faces on there, but, but I just wanted to show you something different this morning. It's, it's not so much about Central Canada, but it's about Global Teen Challenge, but it really, really speaks to um, what we call in our world our DNA, if you know what I mean. And this is our DNA, and I just wanted to show you this, and then uh, I'll talk a little bit about our ministry. In many cases, the world as a whole looks at drug addicts and really sees them as a scourge on society, sees them as a part of our society that is worthless, is hopeless, and is a drain on our society. But we see them as human beings. We see them for what they can become for what life for them can look like after drugs. And we see so many beautiful stories of that transformation that has taken place in many men and women in our region of the world. Very often when we uh, see a young man on drugs and alcohol, like uh, just addiction, they are lying in the street or somewhere, and sometimes we can just pass by and say, these guys are worthless. But when I see them, I see the potential leader. And, uh, you know, they're worth because God loves them and God cares for them. They, 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 are, they can be our son and, and a daughter and a brother. If we see them, if my son is there, I would not let just to pass by him but I, 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 I can see and then see. And because there is hope in Christ, there is, there is nothing imposed with our God, that He is a God of all possibilities, pure and limitless. We work with Teen Challenge, and it's just so amazing to see how God can take a life and change it in such a way that it produces so much fruit and joy and so much hope to others. For example, we minister to drug addicts and we plant churches. And in Russia, 90% of new church plants are done by former Teen Challenge graduates. Once an addict, you're always an addict. And, and we don't believe that in Teen Challenge. We don't believe that at all. We believe that there can be new life and that God has a plan for their life. And, and, uh, and so we, we work and we, we work hard to help them discover what God's plan for their life is and, and, and that they will have value when they finish the program, that they will have a career they can pursue, something to live for, something to give their life to. You see people, you see guys coming in from jail with tattoos from head to toe. You, people that are, have been abusing their bodies, been abusing their life, been abusing their parents, and just, just and, and, and they're totally out of control. And, and, and these people, you think, there's no way that this person is ever going to find freedom at home. The truth of the matter is we see that sort of thing happen every day at Teen Challenge. And that life begins to change. And then you know what? It's like a virus that's that's set free because they start telling everybody in their family. And then their family begins to get saved. And then they start telling everybody in their community. Every person is worth it. 
every person that's on the face of the earth deserves an opportunity. Addiction is an area that people still have a problem with, that people still believe that it's self-inflicted, that it's an area that people, you know, they chose that lifestyle, so, you know, let's leave them be. Uh, and that's not how we view it, and that's not how Christ views it. Uh, every soul is worth saving, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Worth saving, these two words really jump off the page in my heart because it comes from the heart of God. Uh, the, the word worth uh, relates to the word value. And when God looks at, at any individual, he sees value. We live in a society where uh, life is being devalued on a daily basis. But God always sees life as valuable. It is worth saving every person in this world. God has a heart that says that he desires that no one should perish. Who can refute the testimony of a drug addict who should be dead, but instead they are alive and they're redeemed and they're being a parent again and they're being a spouse again and a loving son again. People who would be cast off, that that whole area, that whole region says they are worthless, why even invest in them? We see that God has a plan in their lives. We know that when God transforms a life, it not only impacts them, it impacts their families, and in fact, it even impacts their whole communities. We believe that God has an amazing plan for this region of the world, and he's doing it through hopeless drug addicts. I believe that we have a role to play. We have a responsibility to help our sons and our daughters escape the trap of addiction. We have to change our language. We have to change our perspective and our strategy as to how we look at people because one of the things the devil wants us to believe that a drug addict is, is, is not somebody worth fighting for. Instead of looking at them as drug addict, because when we fight for a drug addict, we really fight a losing battle because there's no future in fighting for a drug addict, but there's a future in fighting for a son and fighting for a daughter. Isn't that just a powerful image? Um, this is the family that we're part of. Um, I just uh, sometimes we focus so much on what's happening in Winnipeg or what's happening in Brandon, and and uh, yes, those are tears coming out of my eyes because I really believe in what I'm doing. I really believe in what what we're part of here. And um, a lot of you recognize Reverend Steve Paulson, our director. He was here last year to speak, and and um, he uh, he has been. Uh, I just ask you to pray for our ministry and for for him. He's been asked to uh, to fill a role of. Of, uh, of one of two North America representatives for Global Teen Challenge. So um, it's, a, it's a bit of a new season for, for his ministry. Um, he's still our executive director, but um, I just ask you to pray for us. Um, we're, we're excited. We're, I mean, this is like inside of us. Um, I, know that, uh, I know that a lot of you have been touched by, by our ministry, and it's great to see you guys. And, and uh, just I, th I think about even just last year, I, 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 I want to give you an awesome update. Um, Last year, I don't know if you knew this, but in the Sunday morning, anybody was, was anybody here last year when we were here? There was actually a family here last year. They don't attend this church. They came here with their son. I invited them. They were friends of mine. And, um, and their son, shortly after um, he, he came and heard this and, and so forth, um, 
their son came into our program and and he's uh, he's going into month eight or so right now and um, what an amazing testimony and um, it wasn't because of what happened here but it was it's so neat to know that you were uh, one of the one of the catalysts for helping Bryson come into our program and uh, he's from Kleefeld um, I don't know if there's anyone from Kleefeld here but um, I don't know if there yeah you're forgiven for that um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say, because I'm not from around here. I'm from Yonseed, so we say the same thing with Winkler and Morton. We have lots of jokes, so I'm sure you all have your jokes here. But, but you know what? Isn't that cool to know? Isn't that cool to know that, that right from here, there's, there's things um, God is moving through, through families, and he's impacting families right here. You know what? If you are here this morning, um, I have a word, I believe, a word directly from God, for, for especially for you that need hope this morning. And I'm just going to say that ahead of time. We're going to do a few things here before the sermon, but I'm telling you, stick around, because I believe that you are here for a purpose this morning. And um, the, the title of that video is called Worth Saving. And you know what? We're really excited to be launching um, next month. We're going to be launching uh, a Central Canada tour with, uh, with a lot of these guys and, 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 a, and a bunch of the ladies from, from our women's programs uh, around our region. And it's, a, it's called Worth Saving Tour. And um, we believe that everyone is worth saving. How about you? We believe that every son and daughter is worth saving. And so, uh, so we, just, we just want to invite you to be on a journey with us. Um, you won't hear me talk about money except for the next 30 seconds. I'm just going to tell you that if you do want to support us, um, you know how to do that. There's, there's brochures and all that. There's self-addressed envelopes. Come and see us. I don't know. Do we have our debit machine with this morning? Okay, I think it's being, okay, I don't think it made it this morning, but um, I wanted to just tell you one more thing that's really exciting. Um, this might be right up your alley. If you, if you enjoy, as a family, going to uh, motorsports events, we have um, uh, our annual Demolition Derby Impact for the Kingdom that's happening in Morris, Manitoba on September 15th. It's a Sunday. It's at 1 p.m., so you can go to church and then go and see us. And um, this year, just for fun, we decided to to um, get rid of all the cars, and it's all vans this year, just for fun. I th- it'll get someone's attention in this room, but, um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have a bunch of tickets for it, and I really would like you to have a chance to go. So, so um, this is my little infomercial for the morning. If you want to get tickets for your family here this morning, um, it's really simple. Um, kids 12 and under are already free, so that's, that's taken care of. But if you, um, this morning... If you uh, buy one, you'll get one free. And so um, um, that means that if, if there's two adults and two kids, you're buying one ticket and everybody goes. And where I'm from, Winkler, that's a good deal. You know what I mean? So, so if you want to be part of that, that's, uh, we, don't, we don't offer that everywhere, but, but it's kind of like a, a little church promotion that we're doing right now. Go see Victor. Victor's got them. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to tell you that this morning. Um, I'm really happy this morning to introduce uh, Gerhard to you. I'll let him introduce himself, but he's also not from far away from here. Um, this, this Sunday, he's going to give his testimony in English, but last Sunday, he did it in low German, so, so you can, you can uh, speak both of those. Uh, if you speak in tongues like that, then uh, you can go and see him afterwards, but this will be very encouraging. Why don't you welcome Gerhard here this morning? Morning, guys. I'm very, very excited to be here in your midst today. I feel like God has a special blessings today for each and every one here in the building. Yeah, before I came into the program, like, I've been growing up in uh, South America, Santa Cruz, Bolivia. So I'm from Bolivia, actually. So, And uh, 
I was uh, 20 years and then, uh, well, actually 19 years and I found a girlfriend and then we got married. Uh, maybe half a year later we got married and then uh, if he was like 20, 21 years old then we moved to Canada because uh, I was very deep uh, involved in drugs and alcohol in Bolivia already. So, and uh, I passed twice to rehab. After we got married we passed twice to rehab there. And the second time when I passed it I just said, you know what, I have to move away from here. It's like just uh, so many people like uh, they're just gonna dig me into to the same uh, path again. So I decided, we both decided to come to Canada. My wife has like, uh, when she was growing up, she had always uh, uh, in her mind that she wanted to go in, uh, to Canada one day, but she did not have uh, Canadian papers and anything. So her parents didn't have either. So, but I guess I was lucky. I was, uh, I was adopted as a little child, like from four years old. And my foster uh, parents, they had like, uh, my foster dad was a, uh, born here in Canada, so through him I got uh, my citizenship. So, and then, uh, yeah, I sponsored her, so now we are here for probably around four years. And when, when I came to Canada, I didn't speak a word English, so actually, you know, here I'm standing today, almost say as a professional, but not quite yet. <laughs> but again, yeah, uh, you know, I was here, we were here for 11 months, and then, uh, again, like I was in a job site there and working, and. Uh, not every day was very good on a, on a job site, and then uh, I got introduced to pot, and then from pot I was like kind of, uh, the pot was kind of driving me crazy already in my head. So pot was not enough anymore. I started with alcohol as well, and that was not enough as well. And then I got introduced to crystal meth, and then I was uh, smoking crystal meth. I was a very, very heavy crystal meth smoker, so I usually went through 12 points a day, so, you know, it's... I should be dead now, but hey, through God's grace, I'm here standing alive with a living testimony today. When I came into the program, I, w I came in in December 20, 2018. At 1.30 p.m., I came into the program, and I can say I'm eight full months there now, and since I was three months in there, I still tried to hide situations before God, but I couldn't hide it because God knows everything. So, but before people, I could hide still stuff. And then uh, when, since I was uh, three months in the program, I just one day, I just like in a, one evening actually in my, in my bedroom, like we were like in a dorm life, we were going to bed. And then just also one, one day, one minute, I just felt like that just, God just came and just, he just slammed me on my heart like boom. He said like, George, I want you to clean your life up. I want you to give everything over to me that I can have the control. So... You know, like, people are prideful, people are selfishness, you know, like, no, I don't need to give everything to you, you know, I can still handle this by myself. But again, God said, if you give your control up to me, and if you give you all your life, give everything up, to, give everything up, do whatever it takes, you know, like, even if, I, even if I have to lay my life down, I'm down for it, you know, because... Like the way how I have experienced God is these days, like so far, like the further I go into the program, the further deeper details I go into like uh, the program. You know what, I can just say I've never experienced God so close in my life. And I feel like God has big, big purpose for me and a big plan for me. And uh, I can just say, you know what, I'm very happy that I chose to come to Adult Teen Challenge. And I'm very happy that uh, God really took me uh, uh, very, very short that he said, you know what, 
I want you to give the control up to me. And don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about your wife. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about other people. Don't just worry about yourself. Worry about yourself to get your relationship back with me. So, and that's what I did. And I just really start digging into the Bible. And, and you know what? The Bible today is a lie for me. And I can just say, you know what? Like Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says, a new creation has come, and the old has the old is in the past. So. I don't focus anymore on my old testimony, on my old life, what I was in the back. I just focus on what God has for me for the future. I know that God has great, uh, a great future for me. And I can just say, you know what, guys? If anybody is here today who has not accepted Christ in their lives, you know what, guys? Today is the minute. Today is the second. Today is the day for it. Because we don't know if we are going to live in the afternoon. We're not sure if we're going to live tomorrow. So don't do it the way how I did it. I always shoved it onto the next day. Oh, maybe, yeah, I'm going to do it tomorrow probably, or maybe next week, or maybe three or four months ago, uh, later. No, that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to give our lives all the way up to him, and then don't worry about anything else. Everything else will fall in place the way how God wants it. And uh, I'm very happy to be here today. And I just have a feeling that God wants me to pray for somebody today. I don't know who it's going to be. God is going to lead it, and I'm going to leave it in God's hands. So if somebody needs to get, uh, if somebody needs pray, uh, to pray uh, life into their lives, you know what? I'm here for it, and everybody else is here for it. Nobody is going to hold back. We are all here for uh, sharing whatever God has done in our lives, and uh, we are ready to pray for people. You know, while we're while we're just uh, quickly is it okay if everyone quickly introduces themselves where they're from yeah three people say it's okay <laughs> you, ne- you never know you might be related right <laughs> you know um, uh, let's start over here and then I'll hand this to the back row hello my name is Victor um, I'm also like from Pastor Terry I'm from Yonseed I grew up in Morse uh, I'm in my 11th month and um, it's amazing what God has done in my life thanks Hi everyone, I'm Sean. I actually graduated the program two weeks ago and I am now in their surge program and I am from Winnipeg, Manitoba in the West End. Yeah. Uh, my name is Nathan Keogh and I am from Newfoundland. <laughs> and uh, I was, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, was, I, I got recommended to come here to see uh, the beautiful province of Manitoba and uh, so far so good. I'm Chris, I'm in my ninth month I'm from the west end of Winnipeg, born and raised We just love singing this uh, this song. It's such a it's such a worship song. It's such a, a song that just clings on to God's faithfulness. I don't know if you're in a situation right now where um, maybe maybe whatever you're going through right now, you just need to be reminded this morning that God is still good, that He's still on the throne, and all my life and all your life, He's been faithful. And Chris, um, especially when you shared before, Chris, you shared about how through all of those dark times with your brother and with your parents and and all of that strife, God was there the whole time. He was faithful. He was faithful. What an 
awesome opportunity um, I get every week to uh, to be with with these men. I I get to um, I'm I didn't introduce myself. Um, my name is Terry Teeson, and uh, um, I am from Winkler, and that's where I grew up. But I live in Winnipeg for the last eight years. Um, my uh, I'm yeah. Excellent. That is more comfortable. That's why pastor's here this morning, to uh, keep me on track. Sometimes you... Who, who knows, sometimes you've got to flip it around if things are going the wrong way, right? That's our testimony this morning, right? Oh yeah, I can play right with it this morning. <laughs> this morning I want to talk about, I once was dead. I want to talk to you about something that I am so passionate about something that just burns inside of me. You know, in in Psalm 18, it says this. It says, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Um, It says, the cords of death entangled me, and the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Anybody know what that's like? You know, the cords of death, they were right there. I remember um, uh, hearing Gerhard Gerhard, um, once share about how how it, you were so close to death, right? That knife was out, and it was in your hands, but your hands froze. And, uh, and you know, the cords of death overwhelm us sometimes. And you know what? We, we might come from places where it looks like we have it all together, but you know what? I know, because I have lived it, that not everything is always as it seems. Not everything is as it looks. And this morning, I want to talk to you. I want, I'd like us to turn to John chapter 11 this morning. And, um, and I'd like to look at a really familiar story, but maybe we learned some new stuff here this morning. How's that, right? I learned some really amazing things as I was getting ready for this, uh, for this sermon. And in John chapter 11, um, starting at verse 1, so if you want to turn there in your Bibles or your, your devices, your iPads, iPhones, whatever you've got, just turn there this morning. I'm reading, I believe, from NLT this morning. But just listen to this story, and, and I guess... I guess sometimes the guys hear me say this, but this morning, I want to challenge you with something. I want to challenge you to read this story with me, but pretend that you don't know the ending, okay? Pretend that you are in the middle of the story, and you don't know what happens. You don't know that Lazarus is raised from the dead, and put yourself into that lost and empty and anguished feel of the sisters and Jesus as they are in the middle of this and only Jesus knows what's going to happen. All right, can we do that? Deal? All right. John 11, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. If you ever hear, um, if you ever want to meet a guy who bases his whole testimony around this verse, um, go and say hi to Sean later on, because um, actually check out our YouTube channel, and uh, Sean's testimony is on there, and he, he quotes this verse. He says, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for God's glory so that the Son may be glorified through it. <laughs> That's cool, right? It shows that this is not the end, Right? And, and it says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Does that make any sense to you? When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed for two more days. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. 
right? Usually, we, we should be reading that he dropped everything and he made a beeline for Bethany, right? And that's what it should say, but it doesn't. It says he stayed two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're trying to go back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they had no light. After he said this, verse 11, this is awesome. You might want to underline this. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go and wake him up. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? You watch, watch what happens, because remember, we don't know what's about to happen, right? We don't, we're reading this as though it's the first time, slide. So the first thing I want to tell you this morning, um, out of this verse this morning, is I want you to just look at that this morning. Do you know somebody who is dead right now? Oh, you know, they might have some, they might have a little bit of, uh, you know, you feel their pulse, they, they might have a bit of a pulse, there might be some physical blood flowing through their veins, they might have a weak heartbeat, whatever, they might have a strong heartbeat, they might look like they have it all together, but you know that they're dead. You know that there is no life. You know that there is nothing that is really giving them any reason to keep on living because of their decisions or because of their circumstances, because sometimes it's both, right? Chris's testimony proved that. Sometimes our circumstances give us an absolute zero chance at success in life. That's why we need Jesus, right? That's why we need him to make some sense of it. And you know what? This morning, I want to ask you this morning, do you know somebody who's dead right now? Do you know somebody, maybe it's you this morning that is dead, and and maybe nobody else knows it. Maybe everyone else knows it. But this morning, I want you to imagine somebody that's in your life right now that you know is dead. They've lost their passion for good stuff. They've lost their, their desire to, to live for anything. And I want you to just imagine Jesus saying this about your situation this morning. They're saying, our friend Gerhard from Mitchell. Is it Mitchell? You never said where you're from. Where are you from? Steinbeck. Our friend Gerhard from Steinbeck has fallen asleep. But I'm going to go wake him up. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? That's what this is about. That's what this story is about this morning. Our friend, our friend Chris from BC has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. Our friend Victor from Low Farm has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him up. That's what this story is all about this morning. Do you know somebody that needs waking up? In verse 17, it says this. It says, on his arrival, I want you to kind of stay in this, in this chapter this morning, and we're going to go to some other scriptures, but just kind of stay there and trust me on the other ones, that, that, the, that what I'm reading is actually there. But in verse 17 it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. You know what's really interesting about that part of the story? Um, I was doing some study on the cultural context here. And after three days, many people believed back then that for the first three days of death, there was the the spirit of the person was still in the body. That's kind of what Jews believed uh, back then. And And they believed that after three days, then the body lost its soul as well. And this was the fourth day. So, so I just want you to kind of catch that this morning. It says, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the four, tomb for four days. The same Jesus that heard that Lazarus was sick and then he stayed two more days. You think he knew what was going on? Probably. In fact, yes, he did. But this morning, I want to... We know what's going to happen here, but imagine that you don't know what's going to happen. 
and he shows up and appreciate it for the moment that it was. It was the fourth day. You know what? You might be in a situation that is the fourth day right now. You might be in day four right now, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel like maybe yesterday, maybe last week, you still had some hope, but maybe in the last few days, you officially lost hope for something. We're here to tell you this morning to not lose hope. We're here to tell you that he is always on time. That's the first thing I want to tell you this morning. I want to tell you that Jesus, who found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days, he knew exactly what he was doing. God doesn't make the sun rise one morning, and then he slaps his forehead and he says, I forgot about Gerhard. I forgot about Terry. I forgot about Delan. He doesn't do that. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that it's your fourth day, and he knows that he is, and, and I'm, I'm here to remind you this morning that he is always on time. He's always on time. He doesn't need a reminder icon that, oh yeah, I forgot about so-and-so, and what are we going to do? And he doesn't pace the floors or anything like that. He knows what he's doing in your situation. He's never been embarrassed at forgetting. He's never needed a reminder of anything. In fact, he's never been surprised. Someone once said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? He doesn't, he doesn't get surprised, right? Nothing ever occurs to him. Jesus knew that it was going to be four days. He knew that Lazarus would be dead one day longer than dead. You know what I mean? And he knew that, that, um, that in this situation that he was going to come at exactly the right time. He doesn't do it to embarrass you. And that's really important for you to know that because some of you, I'm speaking in the spirit right now, I really believe some of you feel embarrassed at your situation right now. You feel embarrassed maybe about a loved one or you feel, you feel ashamed and so forth. I want to tell you to hold your head high because the God who made everything knows that you're in day four right now. I really believe that. I, I believe so strongly that somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody, and maybe even many people, He knows that maybe day three, your prayer life wasn't where it was supposed to be, right? Maybe day four, your prayer life really starts getting into where he wants you to be. Pastor Delan talked about, we're going to dig into prayer this year. Go do it. Get some calluses on your knees because, because God knows that many of you are in day four right now. But that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean we give up. And that's what we're here to tell you this morning. I want to read through a chunk of the story here this morning. Now, in verse 18, it says, Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brothers. See, they were in funeral mode, right? And maybe, maybe that's a way to put it for you this morning. Maybe in your mind you're in funeral mode right now. You're mourning the death of something in your life. You're mourning the death of a dream. You're mourning the death of, of a... Um, the, not the physical, but maybe the spiritual death of somebody that you love. It says, many had come to help them and comfort them. In verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Just a little side note there. Do you, do you have any idea why Mary maybe stayed home? I, it, there might be many reasons. Maybe Mary was just simply so crushed in the moment, and she wasn't ready to meet Jesus. Who knows? Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're so crushed at your situation that you're not ready to meet with Jesus because you don't know what you would say to him. But can I tell you, he knows. He knows what you're going through. Martha comes to Jesus in verse 21. He says, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. She had this faint faith, right? 
just a little bit of faith was still there. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. She's like, she goes into religion mode because she knew this. She heard this in, in her school when she was growing up, maybe in her Jewish school, whatever. She says, I know that he's going to rise again on the resurrection on the last day. <laughs> Verse 25, it's, this is awesome. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever had a prayer like that? God, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, if you would have been here. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved because he loved this family. He was a family friend. Where have you laid him? He said, come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept, right? We know that is the shortest verse in the Bible, but the truth is it's maybe one of the most heart-wrenching and, and proof verses of how human Jesus was and how he became man so that he could save us. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Right? They had heard that Jesus could do more than just weep. You know, He could save can I tell you something this morning? Slide. Can I tell you that this is a really important thing that I've learned. There's no miracle if there's no crisis. And I, and I really feel like I need to tell you that this morning. You know, some of us have learned that in order to have a testimony, there's got to be a test. You know that the greater the crisis that you're going through, when God does whatever he's going to do in that situation, it's going to be an absolute, even bigger miracle. You agree with me? You understand what I'm saying this morning? In how, how can, how can the, the moment happen without the difficulty leading up to it? How many of you know that if you want to have a miracle, you have to have a crisis? You know, everybody wants miracles. We want, we want to press the microwave, you know, and make it happen. And make it happen quickly, Lord, quickly, miracle. And sometimes he does that. But sometimes the miracle is even greater if the, if the, te if the test or the crisis has been really big. You know, maybe I could put it to you this way. Your, your desperation is the perfect platform for his deliverance. It's the perfect platform for whatever he's about to do. It paved the way for a miracle. All the miracles that we've seen, you know, we always have a, a one-sided approach here when we come because, because it's our men's home that comes, our men's campus from Winnipeg. But, you know, we have two women's um, campuses, and if they were here, it would be the same thing. You know, we, we've seen so many miracles happen in in Brandon at our women's home and so many miracles happened in Thunder Bay at our women's home and none of them would have been amazing to us if we hadn't seen a big test coming and leading up to it if we hadn't seen the desperation of the need for for uh, God to come through with finances or or for um, people to you know for actually for women to reach out and and be healed by Jesus through our program there has to be a test in order for there to be a testimony 
Keep reading with me in this, in this verse. We're going right through the story here this morning. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was the cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor because he's been there for four days. Remember, you know, it's kind of, maybe there's a little bit of sarcasm there. You know, he's like, you do know he's been there four days thanks to you, right? We do know that he's been there four days. Don't open it up. It smells kind of bad. This is day four. Remember, this is day four, Jesus. And, and, and I'm not saying that, that there, there was a lack of faith for her, but have you ever been like that? Have you ever been in that situation where it's easy to start blaming God because, because we, we only see in the temporary, but God sees what's about to happen, and he knows what's about to happen. And then it says, Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Verse 41, so they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So he prayed this out loud. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. Do you think he needed to be loud? Probably not. But he, I think he wanted everyone to take note of what was about to happen. He said, Lazarus, come out! And the most ironic and weird verse, in the, maybe in the entire Bible, happens right here. Verse 44, it says, The dead man came out. <laughs> His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The third thing I want to tell you this morning is how can there be a breakthrough if you're walking in your grave clothes? Now, I want to explain that a little bit this morning because, because you know why I think it's such an ironic verse? Because it says the dead man came out. He was still, he had one foot in the grave and he had one foot out in real life. And you know what? So many of us are like that. So many of us, we think that we can keep going and we can let Jesus raise us up from the dead, but in the meantime, there's strips of linen all the way around us and there's a whole bunch of grave clothes that we're still walking in. We're not walking like new creations. And, and uh, Gerhard shared that in his testimony. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. That means the old is gone. That means the things that anything that relates you to having been dead should be gotten rid of. And you know, you know what I call grave clothes? Sin. You know, it says, it says uh, I'm trying to, you're trying to, picture, trying to picture this this morning, trying to picture um, Lazarus coming out of the grave, and, and he's like, he's all bound up, and he's kind of waddling along, and he's bumping into things, and, and, and nothing is making sense, except that they're noticing that the person that's dead is now alive, and, and yet he's not completely alive because he's still wrapped up, right? He doesn't have full life just yet. And you know what? Sometimes you might be praying and you might be praying and you might be praying for something to happen and we're still tied down by our own decisions, by our own sinful choices every single day. And we're like, Lord, please deliver me from this pornography. And yet every single day we go onto websites and we think that God's going to deliver us from it. But it's our own choice to do things, whatever it is. Maybe you're saying, Lord, deliver me from this obsession with getting more property or getting more possessions, and yet every single day we're buying stuff because we're using it to fill a need. Do you think that we can move forward if we have our grave clothes? We can't, right? And we're still blind and we still have everything wrapped up in us. You know, in, in fact, um, slide, if, if this is 
maybe this puts it better into perspective. Let's read from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up, and let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on our situation, right? Is that what it says? Come on, work with me here. We keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the champion. Do you, do, are you living your life as though Jesus is the champion? Or are you living your life as though you've already been defeated and that's inevitable this morning? You know what? It doesn't say let's waddle along the race. It says let's run. And the only way for you to run is if your legs are unbound, right? The only way for you to finish a race is if you're, you have sight because you've stripped off the weight that slows us down and the sin that trips us up. I hope I'm making sense to somebody here this morning. This is like, can you tell this is burning inside of me here this morning? I mean, this is a fire inside of me because I see it every single day. You know, you're trying to run a race and you're trying to see victory and you're trying to see God do amazing things when you yourself are the reason that it's not happening. I know that might be controversial for you to hear, it might wreck your theology a little bit. I'm just telling you what I believe. I believe that sometimes the miracles that God is waiting to do in our life, we're the ones that are standing in the way of it. I really believe that. And we're waddling along, and, we're, and, we're, and we are the reason that we haven't been set free. You know, Jesus says, take off those grave clothes. Let them go. Sometimes you need someone else to take off the grave clothes for you, right? That's why we have this program, you know. And... Uh, we can say to guys like Elijah, we can say, hey, take off the grave clothes, buddy. You know, come on. You want to run? Stop waddling, right? <laughs> That's why we do it. Can I ask you guys to come up here? Um, I've got one. Yeah, you guys. You bet. I got, we, we want to just, we want to sing one more song. Gerhard's going to start playing it already a little bit. But I want to bring one more point to you here this morning. And, and um, I want to just say this. Um, so point number four is I want to say this, really simple. Nothing is impossible. I really, really want to tell you that this morning. I really, really want to tell you that. Do you believe in the God of the impossible? We're going to have to live that way. If you, if you believe in this sin forgiver, if you believe in this chain breaker, if you believe in this almighty creator, then you must believe that nothing's impossible. You know, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe I just, it's because I have the best job in the world and I, I get to see it every day. But you know, I believe that every one of us can see the goodness of God wherever we are, every single day. And I believe that every day we have, we have reason to see that nothing's impossible. Because we can see people every single day that have been brought from death to life. And maybe that's you. And maybe it's time for you to be raised up from the dead in whatever situation that you're in this morning. Ephesians 3.20 is, is so, 20 and 21, it's so important. It's so important for you to hear this morning. To him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations. Just take a moment this morning. Just take a moment this morning and um, look at your situation because every one of us probably... I could safely say that every one of us represents a situation that has died. Whatever it is, um, it might be a son or a daughter, it might be a cousin or an aunt or an uncle, 
or it might simply be a financial thing that and something has completely died and you feel like you're in day four, whatever it is right now. I see a lot of parents here this morning. Can I just talk to parents for a sec this morning? Um, it's sometimes, I, this is Holy Spirit because I w- wasn't planning to say this, but it's sometimes really hard to see how our kids can survive and thrive and follow Jesus in this world. And some of you are, are feeling anxiety about that right now. Can I just tell you that just keep being that anchor for them. Just keep being that, that source of life for them. Keep being available to them. Keep, be, keep believing that if they keep their eyes on Jesus, they will run. Like they won't stumble. They will run. Oh, they might stumble. That's inevitable. I said that wrong. They might stumble, but they will run. And they're going to keep looking to you for that source of encouragement and prayer. And prayer is the number one thing you can do for your kids. And then live it for them as well. Live it for them. Run ahead of them. Run beside them. I just had to say that. I don't know exactly why this morning. But you know what? Um, the last slide, I, just, I wanted to just tell you something this morning. That you might think like the devil has a plot against you, and he does. But can I tell you that God has a plan for you? Can I tell you that this morning? The devil had a plot, but God has a plan. You know, um, I just, uh, I had to show that Victor, Victor's a trucker, and a few weeks ago we were, we, I took this picture at, at, um, at a big truck rally in Winkler, and, uh, and Victor goes in front of like hundreds of truckers, and he just shares his testimony about, about, you know, keeping his eye, taking his eyes off of Jesus while he's trucking, and, and, and some of those things, and, and now I just, I just look at this man and I say, you know, Victor, the devil had a plot, but God has a plan. And you know what? I'd way rather have a plan than a plot, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you way rather have a plan? Can I just, can I just tell you this morning that um, I believe that somebody is here this morning and we've come here to lift you up, um, to lift you up, but more importantly, to, to fix your gaze on the one who can work you through your situation. I really believe that. I really believe that with all of my heart. We have seen it, we have tasted it, and we have lived it. And the story's not over. We know... Just because we're up here on a stage doesn't mean the story's over, right? But it's an important chapter that's happening right here. And I just encourage you to keep praying for, for your friends and your families that are part of this, this, uh, this church that are maybe going through something. Be encouraging to them. Remind them that, that you are there for them, that they don't have to walk this alone. And we believe that he can do immeasurably, and I mean immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. He can't work and do his power outside. Um, he, can't, he can't do it so that we gaze at him and watch him do it. He wants to do it inside of us because it starts with us. You guys understand what I'm saying with that? We want to, um, we really, um, well, I keep saying that about every song, but I'm going to switch over to this mic now. We really believe, um, we, we love this song that...